Yes, Morena, good morning. It's nice to be here with you this morning. As uh, Bernie said, I am Andrew Gould, and for those of you that don't know me, um, I'm not here on staff. I spend most of my week with my feet in gumboots, uh, working with dairy farmers, helping them uh, do as well as they can in their business, trying to help them reach their uh, personal and their business goals. So that's what I spend my time doing. So I'm sort of like a uh, substitute. You know, like in the rugby terms, the ones that sit on the bench, and every now and then, the people that are up here most of the time are away uh, hunting or, or doing other things. And, uh, and so the substitute's called up. And nowadays, there's a much better name for it. We're called impact players. Hey, so, so that's me. Uh, yeah, and, um, but uh, let's, let's hope today that God does the impacting uh, more than I do. Um, now, speaking of rugby, uh, I did, uh, as part of uh, the important preparation for tonight, uh, for today, I did go to the rugby uh, last night. Uh, to watch the Chiefs play the Blues. Anyone else go to the Chiefs versus Blues? Oh, yeah, nice. Well done. Good game. Yeah, yeah. A few, few there. Yeah, nice. Uh, you weren't the streaker, Paul Shakes, were you? No, no, no. Good. No, I can guarantee Paul Shakes was not the streaker because he was beside me uh, the whole time. But, um, yeah, no, it was very good, but my voice is a little bit husky because I tend to get quite involved in rugby games. I, I tend to feel as though the players and the referees need a bit of help, like, like we all do, right? We all need, need help, and so I tend to do my role as part of 20-odd uh, thousand other people uh, to help the players and the referees. So I, I did think halfway through the game that I'd better tone myself down a little bit uh, or else um, oh, Paul Shakes would be doing the sermon this morning and, and who knows what that would uh, lead to. Um, Anyway, so it's good to be here. So it is Palm Sunday, and um, you know it is a privilege uh, to be with you this morning. I want to uh, put a question on our, our minds today. Who is Jesus to you? As we look at Palm Sunday, this was a question that a lot of people uh, that were with Jesus were trying to decipher in their minds about who Jesus was to them. And so I'm posing that question uh, to us this morning. Who is Jesus to you? And I'd like you to, to ponder that uh, more deeply maybe than you have uh, before uh, in these next uh, 20 minutes or so. So Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the day, nine, 1,989 years ago. Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey, and people there were singing praises and laying down palm branches as Jesus came into Jerusalem. That's why we call it Palm Sunday, was because of the reaction that he got from the people as he came in to Jerusalem uh, almost 2,000 years ago. It was also a symbol that we now know was of a week before Easter time. At the time, the people there didn't know that. Jesus obviously knew that this was becoming one of the most amazing and poignant weeks of, of Jesus' ministry, was what was going to happen in this next week. And so Palm Sunday really set the scene for this last ministry push of Jesus uh, before he went to the cross. So that's Palm Sunday. And this morning, I'm looking at some verses in John chapter 11 and 12. And it's really telling a story about what happened uh, around about the time in the two or three weeks leading up to this moment. It starts from where we're going to read from, from the very end of this time where Jesus raised Lazarus from the death. Now, most of, know, most of you will know this story, and it's where uh, Jesus' friends, his close friend Lazarus, was feeling ill. And uh, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, got word to Jesus, Lazarus is not well, please come and see him. 
We know you can heal him. Please come and heal our friend, your friend, Lazarus. And Jesus chose not to. And four days after Lazarus died, Jesus then went to see them. And they said, Jesus, why didn't you come? He was your friend. You loved him. He loved you. Why did you not come? You could have saved him. And Jesus says, God is going to be glorified. And Jesus said, please roll the, tone, roll the stone away from the tomb where Lazarus has been buried for four days. And Mary and Martha says, no, don't do that. His body's going to smell. He's just gone too far gone. Please, let's, let's not do that, Jesus. Let's not do that. And Jesus says, no, roll the stone away. And so they rolled the stone away, and Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And out from the tomb came Lazarus. This miracle of someone who'd been dead for four days, of Jesus bringing him out alive. Now what we're going to read in these verses is how this moment, this moment changed the lives of many, many people. And what I'd like you folk to do this morning, what I'd like us all to do this morning, is picturing the faces, picturing the people. What's going on in their mind? What are they thinking? What are they learning about Jesus? What are they thinking? What is this man? He's just raised this person from the dead who'd been dead for four days. What do these people think about Jesus? And at the end of the passage we're going to read, it's to Palm Sunday. And there's about two or three weeks gap in between these two uh, instances. And again, look at the people. Look at their eyes. Look at the ages. Look at the men and the women and the kids. What are they thinking about Jesus? What are they thinking about Jesus as he comes into Jerusalem? Let's look at these verses, and I'll read it with you on the screens. This is uh, John 11, uh, verses 45 through to John 12, uh, verses 14. And this is just at the completion of, of Lazarus being raised from the dead, and this is from the message version. That was a turnaround for many of the Jews who were with Mary. They saw what Jesus did and believed in him. But some went back to the Pharisees and told on Jesus. The high priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Jewish ruling body. What do we do now, they asked. This man keeps on doing things, creating God signs. If we let him go on, pretty soon everyone will be believing in him. And the Romans will come and remove what little power and privilege we still have. Then one of them, it was Caiaphas, the designated chief priest that year, spoke up. Don't you know anything? Can't you see that it's to our advantage that one man dies for the people rather than the whole nation be destroyed? He didn't say this of his own accord, but as chief priest that year, he unwittingly prophesied that Jesus was about to die sacrificially for the nation. And not only for the nation, but so that all God's exile scattered children might be gathered together into one people. From that day on, they plotted to kill him. So Jesus no longer went out in public among the Jews. He withdrew into the country bordering the desert to a town called Ephraim and secluded himself there with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was coming up. Crowds of people were making their way from the country up to Jerusalem to get themselves ready for the feast. They were curious about Jesus. There was a lot of talk about, them, about him among those standing around in the temple. What do you think? Do you think he'll show up at the feast or not? Meanwhile, the high priests and the Pharisees gave out the word that anyone getting wind of him should inform them. They were all set to arrest him. 
Six days before Passover, Jesus entered Bethany where Lazarus, so recently raised from the dead, was living. Lazarus and his sisters invited Jesus to dinner at their home. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those sitting at the table with them. Word got out among the Jews that he was back in town. The people came to take a look, not only at Jesus, but also at Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. So the high priests plotted to kill Lazarus because so many of the Jews were going over and believing in Jesus on account of him. The next day, the huge crowd that had arrived for the feast heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They broke off palm branches and went out to meet him, and they cheered, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Yes, the King of Israel. Now, this was a passage that I hadn't really spent a lot of time looking at. I've heaps of times heard and written about and and, uh, read the story of, of Lazarus being raised from the dead, and then I've read a lot about Palm Sunday, but this passage in the between I hadn't spent a lot of time of. And so this morning, as I said, I want us to be a little bit more reflective. And what I want you guys to do, just to show that you're not falling asleep, I'd like you to uh, perhaps tell me in one or two or three words, what do you think the people here were thinking? How did they see Jesus? What do you reckon? You have gone to sleep. Pardon? Hope. Nice. Nice, someone to break the chains of the Roman rule. Yep, nice. Come on, let's get into their minds. What, were they, what else were they thinking? Awe and, and wonder. Nice. Messiah? Messiah. Nice. Cool. So I've spent heaps of time trying to get into the heads of, of, of the people, and I've got two groups of people that I want to talk about this morning. And the first group are the group that saw Jesus as a threat. Okay, there were people around that clearly saw Jesus as a threat. The high priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Jewish ruling body. What do we know? What do we do now, they asked. This man keeps on doing things, creating God signs. If we let him go on, pretty soon everyone will be believing in him and the Romans will come and remove what little power and privilege we still have. From that day on, they plotted to kill him. There was a great group of people that saw Jesus as a threat. The Romans saw Jesus as a threat, not because they were worried that he was going to take over their rule, because he was one man. It was a humble man that they had no concerns for that. But Jesus was creating some issues amongst the Jewish people. The Romans were worried about the Jewish people all having division and what this raucous was all about. So Jesus was a threat to them because they liked order and and there's a little bit of disorder happening. The Pharisees and the high priests, they clearly saw Jesus as a threat. They were going to lose whatever little power and privilege that they had. They felt as though Jesus was a threat to them. You know, the the Jewish ruling body, there was a wide group of people that saw Jesus as a threat to their lifestyle. They had a lifestyle that they were comfortable with. They had power. They had uh, a life that they feel as though they're in control of, of, and Jesus was a threat to them. We know that within Jesus' close community of disciples, that even Judas, within that circle, Judas saw Jesus as a threat. 
And so we know that the people that thought Jesus was a threat didn't just come from the people that were really wanting to kill him, but people who were within his inner circle saw him as a threat to the lifestyle and the direction of life that they wanted to go. There was a significant group of people that saw Jesus as a threat. You know, and as I think as we wonder about what Jesus means to us, I, I wonder whether some of us here today think that Jesus is a threat. I think the chances are very high that we've got people sitting in this room that see Jesus as a threat. Jesus is a threat to the lifestyle that you, you are living that you know isn't right. And if you invite Jesus into your heart, that there's things of your lifestyle that you're going to have to give up. Maybe you see Jesus as a threat because your husband or wife has become a Christian and all of a sudden they're following this, this Jesus person and, and you see Jesus as threatening your family, your, your marriage that you've had. Maybe you have had someone being baptized lately and the same thing and you just see as the threat of Jesus is coming into your family and you're, and you're all of a sudden feeling threatened by this relationship that people are having with Jesus. I think the chances are pretty high there's some people here today that see Jesus as a threat. The other group of people that I want to talk about are the people that see Jesus or saw Jesus as a miracle worker. The Jewish Passover was coming up. Crowds of people were making their way from the country up to Jerusalem to get themselves ready for the feast. They were curious about Jesus. There was a lot of, lot of talk among the, those standing around in the temple, what do you think? Do you think he'll show up at the feast or not? Many people, because they had heard that he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. There was a huge amount of people that were following Jesus because he was a miracle worker. Now, while some of them might have understood him to be a Messiah, even his disciples didn't really understand that fully still at this point. Yes, some of them saw him as their king, but they really didn't fully understand what that meant either. But the reality is, for most of these people, they were there because he was a miracle worker. He just, two or three weeks earlier, had just risen Lazarus from the dead. What's he going to do next? Let's go see this man who's been making the blind people see making the lame people walk, providing wine at a wedding. Let's go see what this man's going to do next. Even if they were believers in who Jesus really was, they were still interested in him because they saw him as a miracle worker. And I'm sure there's plenty of us here today that also see Jesus as a miracle worker. And I know that for myself... For a lot of my time, I spend my time thinking of Jesus as a miracle worker. So many of the prayers that I have is asking God for miracles. Whether it's through keeping us safe on the roads, whether it's through letting my petrol last until I get to the petrol station. Some of you may know that um, another part of my job is that we own dairy farms in Australia. And... Uh, the last um, two years particularly have been very, very dry seasons. And we've been sort of on that verge of desperateness for rain for two years. We've had about half the annual rainfall over the last um, three seasons. And so we've sort of got enough rain to keep us desperate, uh, but not enough rain to, to make us 
any better. And so, you know, I feel as I've been praying for rain for two years. It's almost become a standing joke in my family now that uh, at the end of every prayer, we say almost like a PS, oh yes, and please 100 mils of rain for the farms, please. It's just become a standard thing because of how desperate. And it's just been so easy for me to get so focused in on the miracle of rain that I've needed for these dairy farms. And as the situation's become uh, more desperate, it gets me more anxious and it's become more difficult. And it's because I've seen Jesus as a miracle worker and I've lost the concept of what Jesus really wants, which we're going to find out soon. But I'm sure there's many of us here today that have the same thing about Jesus. We are continually praying to Jesus and asking Jesus, and we actually come to Jesus seeing him as a miracle worker, like many of these people here did on that Palm Sunday. So we know that there's about two or three weeks between raising the Lazarus and Palm Sunday, and we've talked about how these people perhaps saw Jesus. But what else I have looked at over the last couple of weeks is what was Jesus doing in those two or three weeks? What was his focus? So we read in these passages that Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. So Ephraim is about 20 kilometers out from Jerusalem. And after he raised Lazarus from the dead, he saw the massive build-up of interest that was coming and pressure and tension. And he decided, right, I'm, I'm taking time out. So Jesus took time out, two to three weeks, out at this place called Ephraim. And I'm thinking, what was Jesus' focus in those two or three weeks? You know, and I just think, what, what did Jesus think in those times? What was Jesus thinking about us? What was Jesus thinking about all those crowds that were there? What was Jesus thinking about his friends? What did Jesus do in that quite a long period, two weeks out in the wilderness, what did he do and what did he think? And the thing is, we don't have to guess this because we've seen what happened when he came out. When he came out in that week from Palm Sunday to when he was crucified, Jesus gave us heaps and heaps and heaps of information and uh, really expressions of what he'd been thinking in the two or three weeks prior. So let's have a look. What did Jesus say to those who see him as a threat? So he says, this is now verse 12. Listen carefully. Anyone who holds on to their life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. So for those that saw Jesus as a threat, he said, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. If you are threatened by me because you like your lifestyle this much, you will lose your life. But if you let go, then you will have eternal life. And then he says in verse 35, For a brief time the light is among you. Walk by the light so you have darkness. Walk by the light you have so darkness doesn't destroy you. If you walk in darkness, you don't know where you're going. For those of you who see me as a threat, if you continue walking in this darkness, you don't know where you're going. And I am the light. And in this case here, he had five days on earth with them. I'm only here for a short time. 
For those of us now here, he's saying our lives are very short. If you continue to walk in darkness, you will not know where you are going. Here I am as the light. And in verse 47, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. For those of the people there that judged, uh, for that saw Jesus as a threat, Jesus' words to them is, I do not judge you. I have not come here to judge you. If you see me as a threat, I am not here to judge you for that. If you see me as a threat because of your lifestyle, I'm not here to judge you for that. If you see me as a threat because you want to hold on to power, I don't judge you for that. Jesus says, I have come to save, not to judge. And what does he say to those of us that see him as a miracle worker? Again, 12 verse 8, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. We all know that Jesus was the biggest fan for the poor. Jesus was the biggest person to lift up the poor. And so when Jesus here says, you'll always have the poor among you, he wasn't downgrading his love for the poor. He was simply saying, right now, right now, your focus should be on me. The time is for me to be glorified. The poor will always be here. I love the poor. I want to heal the sick. I want to bring rain to the dairy farms. But right now, it's about me. And as he comes into this last week before Easter, that's what Jesus is saying to us. Don't worry about the miracles. Yes, bring them to him. But you'll always need rain. You'll always need stuff. But right now, it's about me. Focus on me. Verse 26, if any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. Again, for those of us that are, see Jesus as a miracle worker, sometimes we need to uh, just get up and serve him. It was uh, four to six weeks ago that I was feeling probably at my worst in terms of God not providing the 100 mils of rain that we've been calling for for two years. And I felt bad enough that I couldn't come to church. I don't think I've ever done that before. Not, not come to church just because I was feeling really stink. And I got so engrossed in this miracle that I was needing. The lost sight of God. And you know, one of the key things that helped me come out of my pity party that I wasn't getting the miracle that I wanted was coming and serving here at Youth Group and the uh, security team, the A team, Avon. Sorry, mate, you have got the B team. Our team is the A security team. And um, just getting out, serving in the security team, being with other blokes, service, serving God, 
was a key way for God to make himself real to me. Verse 35, he says, as you have the light, believe in the light, then the light will be with you, within you, and shining through your lives. You'll be children of light. You know, as you believe and as we serve, even in our moments of desperately needing miracles, God's light shines for us. You know, and it wasn't until that step of serving as a security guard in a youth group, as a God's light started to shine in and through me more, through our people that were here. You know, and then as that happened, then I realized God didn't give us the miracle of rain that we'd been calling for for two years, but he gave me the miracle of, of shareholders who weren't sacking me yet, uh, of bank managers that were willing to keep giving us money to, to pay our debts that we needed to pay. The miracles that God was providing were so many different miracles that I was asking for, but it was only through as I served and as God's life in me became clearer that obviously I, I started seeing a lot more miracles that he was doing in my life. So Jesus says to those of us that see him as a miracle worker, don't worry about the miracles, focus on me. Don't get closed in into your needs of your miracles, but serve me. And as you do this, my light will shine through you, and my glory will shine through you. So here we are, Palm Sunday 2019. Who is Jesus to you? As we come into this amazing week coming into Easter, and most of us are going to be going out and putting our feet in gum boots and going and helping farmers tomorrow. Or you guys might not all do that, but you might have your own gumboots that you go put your feet into. You know, we're all going to go into busy weeks, and we'll all very quickly be asking God for many miracles, small or big, in our lives. And God just says, this week, today, Palm Sunday, this week, I want you to focus on me. And so my challenge this morning is, let's not just see God is a threat. Let's not see God as a miracle worker. Let's see God, well, Jesus, who's someone who wants to be in our lives, showing through service, but a light shining through us so that anyone that we meet will see Jesus through us. As we go throughout this week, let's really try and focus in on Jesus and let his glory shine through in our lives.